it represented adventure. And I don't know if that makes it sound like it was it was light, but it really, our whole adoption, it was an adventure. Carrie and I were struggling with that weight of, you know, when is this gonna happen? We feel like it's taking forever. The last thing you wanna hear when you're adopting sometime is God's timing is perfect. Um, but it's true, it really is true. And I say that to families now and I can remember wanting to like sucker punch the next person that would tell me that. But it is true and you really do have to hold on to that because God's timing is perfect. You always remember where you're standing, you know? I don't remember what I, what I was, some people remember what they're wearing, I don't remember that, but I do remember, yeah, just feeling like, oh my goodness, this is it, you know? It's, it's like finding out when you're pregnant or finding out when any big news in your life, it's like, it's gonna happen. You're listening to Together by AGCI. I'm Maddie Salvati. Those were just snippets of the incredibly moving conversations we got to have with some of our staff members at AGCI about a period in the adoption process often referred to as the wait. Before I started my position at AGCI, when I thought of adoption, I thought of gotcha days, financial miracles, and families united for the first time ever. While all of these things play a beautifully significant role in the process, I never really considered the heaviness and the excitement behind the wait, or the time period of waiting to be matched with a child. It's a massive part of the adoption process, and in my mind today, makes room for God to be invited into that space of waiting, so that He might work and help families fully recognize His wonder and power in their lives. Today, I'm so excited to have our Director of Adoption, Julie Selwasser, our Executive Vice President, Nate Dawson, and International Adoption Specialists, Sue Harkema and Connie Cummings, talk about their own adoption experiences with the wait. It's incredible to hear how this specific part of the adoption process, while hard and sometimes daunting for each of them, turned into a singular moment of joy when they heard they were matched with their children. Let's start with AGCI's director of adoption, Julie, who waited for her daughter, Charlie. For me, it was just, it represented adventure. And I don't know if that makes it sound like it was, it was light, but it really, our whole adoption, it was an adventure, and like that's how we viewed each obstacle. So when we were waiting 13 months, of course we were anxious because of our family's timeline of like you know what how we were planning out our year, and and of course like we're excited to meet this little this little one that we've been dreaming about. But when I was placed, it was just like yes, this is the next step. Like this is so fun. We knew we were going to bring home a child. It was just a matter of when. I was at work. And I got a call from our caseworkers. And at that point in time, every Monday, I knew that the it, that was the best possible day that I would hear that we were placed. Because there's a committee in Columbia, and they're the ones that make a decision on, on making placements for families. And so every Monday, I would wear my adoption shirt. It was the shirt that we made for our um, for a fundraiser, and I loved it, but I made that decision when our caseworker had said we'd probably be placed in two to three months. So I'm thinking, okay, this will be something fun because it could happen today. Well, at that point, it was 13 months later, and I'm still mostly wearing my adoption shirt every Monday because I felt like I had made that commitment. So at that point in time, when it goes from two to three months as a possible timeline to now 13 months, your level of expectation kind of decreases. I was wearing my shirt 
And I got a call from my caseworker and she was the one who was able just to share about the fact that Charlie Milagros, whose name at that time, it's, it means miracles and that's still part of her name. Um, but little Milagros, what, we were placed with her and it was an official match. At that point, that's when you kind of enter into um, getting to know who she is and, and understanding a little bit about her medical background, and, and, um, but it was so fun. That was the last Monday I had to wear my adoption shirt, but I still own it and love it. <laughs> Here's AGCI's Executive Vice President, Nate Dawson, who waited for his daughter, Elsa. So the waiting game in international adoption was, um, I think, equally as tough for us um, as it is for a lot of families. We started our adoption process in April of 2010, and we completed our adoption process in June of 2012, so a couple years. Our referral call was a little bit different than maybe a traditional call. Um, Carrie and I were struggling with that weight of, you know, when is this gonna happen? We feel like it's taking forever and really feeling anxious about that. And we went to dinner that night that we were particularly struggling with this issue of the anxiety around waiting and um, we had just resolved to stay the course On the way home, we saw a waiting child email with Elsa's picture, and we kind of freaked out a bit, and then we're like, that is our daughter. And so we wrote um, a letter of interest to AGCI and let them know that we thought that we would be the best family for Elsa, and here's all the reasons why. And um, they called us the next day to let, them, let us know that um, Elsa was uh, going to be a member of our family. Here's AGCI's International Adoption Specialist, Sue Harkema, who waited for her son, Josh, and her daughter, Anna. My caseworker at the time, her name was Kim, and she said, you know, it typically takes a few, three, you know, good three, four months to complete a dossier. And I said, oh, no, no, it's not going to take that long. <laughs> I'm gonna get it done much quicker than that. And we couldn't be on the waiting list until our dossier was done. Well, I sent my dossier in four weeks later. So my mom described me as a freight train that no one was gonna get in the way of. So <laughs> I, I got it done pretty quickly. Um, we got on the waiting list for a little boy because we had said either a boy or girl was fine with us. And they said, well, it's gonna be a boy because the boy list is shorter. And at the time, it was, you were a number on the waiting list. So I was number 23. We were number 23 on the waiting list. And my twins and I would make a poster every month of what our number was on the waiting list. And Kim would call every month and say, now you're number 18. Woohoo, we moved up. And we'd make a new poster. And fast forward to early, late spring, we stayed number four for four months. We looked at the number four poster on our refrigerator for four months. No new poster, no new poster. Driving home from the beach one day, I can tell you exactly where I was on the road when the phone rang, and it was Kim, and I figured she was calling to tell me 
Maybe we were still number four, or maybe we were finally number two, or number one, maybe. Answered the phone and she said, it's a boy. And I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, you have a son. And I screamed and said, I gotta pull over just a minute. Pulled over in front of a yellow house. We'll never forget it. My kids are screaming in the background because they're so excited. And she said, I'm emailing you all the pictures now. Mind you, this was back in dial-up internet days. <laughs> Called my husband and I said, get home now and start downloading the pictures, but do not look at them. <laughs> so got home and we looked at the pictures together. Um, Josh was born on August 19. We got the call on August 22. And we took a visit trip to visit Josh when he was two weeks old. Um, so Anna's process didn't go quite as smoothly as Josh's. Um, she was born in July. We visited her the beginning of August. And again, Kim was still my rock. And I learned a lot about being a caseworker from Kim. I really did. Um, she was great. She was also an adoptive mom, so she, she knew. It got to be December, and I thought, oh, Kim, she's going to be home by Christmas, right? I don't know, Sue. I'm like, hey, that seek can part again, just like it did for Josh. And she's like, I don't know. I just don't know. A week later, it looks like it could happen, Sue. She might be home for Christmas. I'm like, yes, yes, four and a half months old. She's going to be home for Christmas. Had tickets picked out online to order for flights and everything. I'm ready to go. I've got everything. I even had the schedule made out for Grandma and Grandpa for the kids while we were gone. It was December 16, and we were supposed to likely leave four days later and I got a call from Kim thinking she was just calling to wish me well go ahead and order the tickets we're good to go and she's like Sue I don't even know how to tell you this they spelled Anna's name wrong on the birth certificate and it's all good the civil registry fixed it but the magistrate that needs to sign it is on vacation for six weeks and I remember saying where do they live I'll go find them just, just give me their headdress. They need $500 bills, what do they need? <laughs> I'll bring them what they need. She's like, no, we can't. You're gonna have to just wait. There's absolutely nothing we can do about it. And that was hard. Oh, that was a lonely Christmas. And we had presents under the tree for her. She was supposed to be home. I had a Christmas dress for her and everything. There was nothing I could do about it. And being a self-proclaimed control freak, God knows how to teach us lessons. Let's just say he taught me numerous lessons through the adoption process. Uh, so Anna's gotcha day was February 1. We picked her up on February 1. The last thing you wanna hear when you're adopting sometime is God's timing is perfect. Um, but it's true. It really is true, and I say that to families now, and I can remember wanting to like sucker punch the next person that would tell me that, but it is true, and you really do have to hold on to that because God's timing is perfect. And those times when you're waiting, they seem like eternity when you're in it. But looking back now, it, it was all supposed to be that way. And so just hold on to that, that God's timing is perfect, and he knows. He knows what's best. And I think the thing for me is just knowing that God loved my child, loves my child more than I ever could. 
imaginable. There's no way I can love this child as much as God does. And I just had to know that while I wasn't there to care for the child, God had it under control. God had it taken care of. And I just I had to believe in that. And here is AGCI's International Adoption Specialist, Connie Cummings, who is not only an adoptive parent to her daughter, Jasmine, but who is also an adoptee herself. I've literally lived and breathed international adoption my whole life. Like, I've always wanted to do this, and it was kind of that culmination of just really a lifelong, literally a lifelong dream to give back and to, to want to provide and, and, and be that person, just like somebody was my person. First I thought, you know, I'm just gonna come in and do case management and, and do my job. But then as I've really kind of leaned, I think, into this role, I really feel like I can be an advocate, you know, for adult adoptees, for all adoptive kids, um, and just really relate very, very easily with the parent on the other line of that email or the phone, because I know exactly what that feels like when you don't hear news, when you're in the wait. Um, I know what that feels like when you get the call. So it's really fun to make those calls because someone made that call for me and changed my life, and I get to do that now. I never knew how much work my case manager was doing like every day, because you really don't hear from us for a couple weeks and you think nothing's happening, but there's so many things happening, like both um, in the in-country, both with the central authority and both in the headquarters. So I really wish I knew how much um, work was going on behind the scenes to bring my daughter home. Still remember sitting in my in my kitchen, getting that call, and then calling Danny and being like, "We got to be on this call together." And you always remember where you're standing. You know, I don't remember what I, what I was. Some people remember what they're wearing. I don't remember that, but I do remember, yeah, just feeling like, "Oh my goodness, this is it." You know, it's it's like finding out when you're pregnant or finding out when any big news in your life. It's like, it's gonna happen. If you found yourself in this in-between space of waiting for what's next especially if you're waiting for that call, like Julie, Nate, Sue, and Connie were. Know that God is with you too in the waiting, and He will sustain you through it. While I personally have not experienced this kind of waiting, I know what it's like to feel frozen in that space of uncertainty for what will happen next. Uncertainty can be a really beautiful place to land for a while, and you might be surprised at how God will use that time of waiting, wondering, and hoping to carry you through. He's in the waiting, right there with you and so are we. Remember that this time of waiting was never intended to be done on your own. It's an experience that God wants to walk with you, together. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. If this episode struck a chord with you, we'd love to hear from you with any of your own stories, questions, or comments. We love being a part of your day and are so grateful to do this life with you. You can email us at together at allgodschildren.org. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk again soon.